Well, good morning to you all. Let's, uh, let's pray as we come to look at this great passage, shall we? Let's pray. Father, these words are so familiar to us. And so we pray that you will come and breathe fresh meaning into them to us this morning. May they live to us and help us to apply your word to our daily lives, we ask. Help us to see Jesus this morning. We give him the glory. Amen. Amen. Well, we've got a week left. A week left. Are you ready for Christmas? What does that actually mean? What does it mean? Does it mean, have you bought everything that you should have bought? All those presents. Is your larder stocked? Is your cellar full? And what is Christmas all about anyway? One or two days of feasting and, and then suddenly it's all over. There's a rush to the sales and we return to the humdrum of life. And there seems to be an anticlimax to it all, doesn't there? And maybe, like me, you have heard this Christmas story hundreds of times before. Or at least it seems that way, doesn't it? And we have tinseled the telling of it. And we have lost the wonder and amazement. And as we look at our reading this morning from Luke's Gospel, let me start by recounting two stories to you. Eric was born with his head slightly too large. And the problem never seemed to be fully diagnosed although he seemed to be constantly in and out of hospital for the first years of his life. He never really fitted into life at school, and he left eventually without any qualifications. He received training to live by himself, and ultimately he rented a flat. It's right next to a railway line, which is great for train spotting, and it doesn't stop him sleeping because he can sleep anywhere, anytime. He's always tired. He tries to keep down three jobs. He's a laborer for a local builder three days a week. And he also hauls in meat for the butchers when deliveries are made. And he also works night shifts in the mail order business across the town. He once had a fling with a girl. And she lived with him for a while, which produced a son. But she suffered with mental health, leaving Eric alone with the boy. And the rent and utility bills consume most of his income, and any spare cash goes to his parents, who now care for his son. He's not sure he could have coped without his parents' help. But they're getting quite old now, and his Mum has taken up to walking with a stick and his dad seems to be regularly in and out of hospital and he seems to have aged a lot just recently. Eric likes colours so he bought some tinsel from Poundland and he bought a plastic tree 
with some flashing lights. Zara works as a bookkeeper in a firm of accountants, and she's done so for 15 years. Zara's mum tells her friends that Zara is doing very well because it's a big, well-known firm. And, well, she must be good for them to keep her there for 15 years. Zara suffers low self-esteem, always has done, even at school where the other girls used to snigger at her and leave her out of their games. She knows she's not pretty like them, or sporty, or clever, and her honesty sometimes gets her into trouble, like when she told her boss that he couldn't claim for his private golfing trip at the company expense. And the other women in the office, well, they largely exclude Zara from banter. It's often coarse, and she doesn't really understand their humor anyway. Her long hair is a bit lanky, and she has tried wearing it in many different ways over the years, but it's always been a failure, and she thinks that's why she's never had a boyfriend. She's tried various dating sites and apps and has met one or two guys, uh, but the last one took her to McDonald's and then wanted some extra on the side on the way home, if you know what I mean. So she's finished with dating sites. Zara had a bijou house, at least that's what the estate agent described it, and she kept a cat for company. She loved the cat dearly, but was relieved when it finally died, as the vet's bills were eating away at her meagre savings. She sold her house now. She couldn't afford the increasing mortgage. And she told her mum that she was moving in with her to care for her as she was getting old, although her mum is only 56. She might go to church for a change this Christmas to meet some people. She desperately wants a friend, and it's tough living with her mum. Well, we could repeat these stories thousands and thousands of times of people without a voice. Our reading began in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, and there were shepherds. We tend to glamorize the shepherds in the Christmas story, don't we? But shepherds were the social outcasts. They were the misfits. They were the marginalized. They were the people without a voice. They were the ones working the night shift, in the cold, struggling to earn a crust when everyone else was tucked up in bed. There was a time when Israel was a nation of shepherds, but times have changed. Life has moved on. That once cherished livelihood was now a lost cause. It was a job for the forgotten, the left behind, the butt of jokes. And whilst these shepherds in our Christmas story may well have been devout, They came from a class. 
that had a bad reputation. They were considered unreliable for various reasons. They were not allowed to give testimony in the law courts. They were generally despised and often associated with thieves and criminals. But God had not forgotten them. He saw them and he knew them and they were important to him. And this newborn, this son of God, who became the son of man, had come to earth. For them, God chose the shepherds to be the first recipients of the news from the angel messengers. And right at the start of his gospel, Dr. Luke declares God's manifesto to shepherds. It was important for the shepherds to be there because God's good news The best news ever was especially for them. Yes, it's good news for royalty and wise men and those well off and the self-made millionaires and the talented and the beautiful. But it had to be good news for the destitute and those shunned by society, the marginalized and the forgotten, for the Eric's and the Zara's of our world. I'm so glad that the shepherds were the ones to whom the angels appeared on the Bethlehem Hills. Can you imagine what it must have been like for them working on the hills? around Bethlehem. No street lights, only the stars to light the darkened sky. And suddenly, the sky around them became brilliantly lit up, blazing with light. It was intensely bright, perhaps not unlike what Paul saw on the Damascus Road. No wonder the carol says that the shepherds quaked at the sight. The intensity of dazzling light would certainly catch their notice. And as we read the Christmas story, you could be forgiven for thinking that the appearance of angels was a common thing. They appear five times in the Christmas accounts. It wasn't a regular thing. So you can imagine the immense shock the shepherds would have had, not only to see the one angel, but the myriads accompanying him. And what was the news? The angel's message was reassuring. He says, do not be afraid. The message is designed not to terrorize the shepherds, but to reassure them and to encourage them to seek for the Saviour. And as God reaches out in love, he does so tenderly and with compassion. Some think of God as a a strict disciplinarian, a bit like the teacher that no one liked. The Apostle John states that God is love. 
His message is one of love. There is no fear in love. So do not be afraid. And it's the very best type of message. I bring you good news of great joy. It's such great news that God used his angel messengers to broadcast it. When I had my COVID jab recently, the nurse said, go and sit in your car for 15 minutes and put on some music, but don't listen to the news or you'll just get depressed. This news is the best news ever. You must listen to it. It is inclusive. It is for all people. That means everybody, everywhere, worldwide. It includes you and me, 2,000 years after the angel's visit. And it's a simple message, but it's so deep, it's so profound. Today, in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. It presupposes that we need saving, that our condition requires outside help. You may have seen in the news just recently, at the start of the month, the uh, report of a man who fell off a cruise ship and he survived 20 hours in shark-infested waters. Mr. Grimes insisted he wasn't drunk when he fell overboard, although he had just won an air guitar contest. And he went missing after going to the lavatory. He can't remember what happened, but as soon as he hit the water, he regained consciousness. At one stage, he encountered a large fish which came up and bumped his legs. And fighting fatigue and exhaustion, he encountered a large bamboo stick which gave him some type of flavor other than the salt water. And once he was reported missing, the uh, ship retraced its route to join the massive search and rescue effort covering 200 square miles of the Gulf of Mexico. And the crew of a bulk carrier spotted Mr. Grimes and a Coast Guard helicopter flew to the scene and hoisted him out. He was now suffering hypothermia and shock and dehydration. And he told his rescuer, you're like a guardian angel to me. And the rescuer said, Mr. Grimes had nothing left. He had no energy. He had nothing left to give. Uh, My best guess is that he had between a minute and 30 seconds left before we lost him completely. Mr. Grimes couldn't save himself. He was just a minute from death. He was helpless. His position was hopeless. He didn't know 
the magnitude of the search and rescue operation that had been implemented. But amazingly, against the odds, he was found and rescued. And so many people today are oblivious to their hopeless situation. We can't save ourselves. We need a saviour. One who can bridge the gulf between God and man. One who can powerfully defeat the evil and the demonic forces. One who can bring about a permanent and eternal solution. There is only one who can do that. And Jesus is his name. We will never fully know the magnitude of God's rescue plan, which was conceived before time began. But of of its success, there is no doubt. It was mind-blowingly incredible news. He is Christ the Lord. And this expression is only found once here in the New Testament. It literally means he is the anointed one. He is the Lord from the word Yahweh, God. He is God. He is the special deliverer that was long ago foretold by the prophets would come into the world. The Savior promised for hundreds of years has now arrived. And you can see him, shepherds. With your own eyes, you can find him to be true. Every devout Jew was waiting for the return of the Messiah. And the angel's message was that he has arrived. He's here now. And with the news was the evidence that the word spoken by the angels was real. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. In Bethlehem that night, there may have been more than one baby wrapped in strips of cloth. But there was only one lying in a manger. And just to hammer the message home, That one angel was suddenly joined by an army of angels. Paradoxically, an army that announces peace. And here is their song. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. Luke tells us, that the angels were worshipping God and that this news, this announcement was bigger than just for the earth. It affected the whole universe as well. This was big news in heaven amongst the angels just as it was the biggest news on earth. There is no bigger news. In the whole of history, since the start of time, whether in heaven or on earth, than that God has sent his Son into our world 
to make it possible for mankind to have a restored relationship with Almighty God. And the message of Christmas is that God loves people so very, very much. And he wants us to be part of his family. In fact, the whole message of the Bible could be summed up in those very words. God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And this good news brings peace. When men and women and boys and girls find Jesus, the Savior, then they will know his peace. The world is in a chaotic state and out of sync with God. But Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And in his kingdom and in his rule and in his reign, there will be everlasting peace. The Old Testament looks forward to Jesus. The New Testament looks back to his birth and his resurrection whilst the kingdom grows and grows. And Jesus' entrance into our world is the most wondrous event that could ever be envisaged. It proves that God loves us intimately, that he is concerned about our perilous condition, and he is passionate about putting it right. God the Father wants the very best for us and is so totally committed to us that he was excited and enthusiastic to send his own son into our world to identify with us, to be like us, to feel the emotions that we feel, the temptations, the grief, the sorrow when we lose a loved one, the hunger, the pain, and through it all, to love people through and through. No wonder the angels praised God for such a glorious plan. No wonder they joyfully heralded the birth of Jesus. We all love to see a newborn baby, don't we? But these hardened shepherds were well used to seeing lambs being born, so it would take something special for them to leave their sheep risking their wages if any got harmed, and trek into Bethlehem to see a baby. It was the wonder that they could be setting their eyes on the God-child, the saviour of the world. Not least the fact that they just received the invitation by an angel endorsed by a fabulous angel choir That's not something that they were likely to forget, was it? And we read that they they hurried off 
verse 16. There is an excitement and an urgency in setting off to see the Christ child. They left everything. They went. The shepherds quickly responded to the angel's invitation. And when God speaks, we need to respond quickly. When God speaks, then it should be our priority to respond. Imagine if the shepherds had said, we're a bit too busy, we've got too much on. Shepherds were probably working when the angels appeared to them. But when they were told about the birth of the Saviour, They went immediately. And when it comes to obeying God, there is no question that we should always do it quickly. We will never miss out when we follow Jesus. And when they arrived, they found it exactly as the angel had said. Verse 20. Seeing is believing. Apart from Mary and Joseph, this bunch of shepherds became the first witnesses to Jesus' birth and the first preachers as well. We read that the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. And the next verse says, they spread the word concerning what had been told them. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. The story is the very best news. You're not going to hear any better news this Christmas than this story. And we're all called to share it. It can be easy to be shy or hesitant and when we discuss our faith, can't we? But it is vital that we don't keep the gospel to ourselves. When we share the love of Christ with others, we might have the opportunity, the glorious opportunity, to lead people to Jesus. The danger is that we can easily sentimentalize this story and wrap it up with a lovely Christmas bow, and put it in the cupboard with all the other Christmas decorations until next year, and think that it doesn't apply to us in the 21st century. The truth is that God loves us so very, very much, unconditionally, wholeheartedly, and continually. His master plan, always was, always is, Jesus. The child in the cradle became the Christ on a cross. And today, he is the supreme commander at the center of the cosmos. The invitation is for everyone, everywhere, to discover the Savior for themselves. It's especially an invitation for those on the margins of society, the Eric's and Zara's of our world. Christmas is not Christmas 
without Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this glorious story about the angels visiting the shepherds with such incredible news. We thank you that it was to shepherds that they came, the poor and the marginalized in society, the people without a voice. And Lord, we thank you that even today you still call people without a voice call the rich, the famous, the talented too. We thank you that your message is for everyone, everywhere. And what a glorious message it is. We thank you for the Lord Jesus. What a saviour. We thank you that his rescue is complete and absolute. And it's for everyone even for the people that are outcasts by society. Thank you that the work of Jesus on the cross of Calvary can obliterate every sin, take away our shame, make us right for heaven. Thank you for Jesus. So Lord, bless us this morning. Maybe this is a story that we've known for years and years and years. Warm our hearts this Christmas. Help us to see the coming of Jesus with fresh new eyes. Kindle our hearts, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen.